All right, take in your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Luke and turn to chapter number 17. We'll be studying these passages this morning and I pray the Holy Spirit might speak to our hearts and through your pastor and his servant today. Luke chapter number 17, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then said he unto the disciples. Then said he unto the disciples. So this is about not about salvation, but it's about discipleship. As we spoke about in Hebrews 12. But let's look and see what he asked of us on this subject this morning. That will be dear to all of us and personal. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but the defenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt Forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, I mean, they're saying to the Lord, Lord, if you're going to ask me to do this, you're going to have to give me some more faith. Verse 6, And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root. And be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he think that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, ye, when you have shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. I want to preach to you this morning out of this passage on the facts about forgiveness and the duties of a disciple in the area of forgiveness. Number one, from verses one through verse number three, the principle is, do not be the offender. Do not be the Offender, Don't be the one that needs to be forgiven. Watch what he says here. He said, listen, it's impossible that offenses will come. Okay, it, that's, that's, that's a given. 
He says, but what I expect out of you is for you not to be a stumbling block to other people. But I expect you to be a stepping stone. I expect you not to offend a little one. Now, two times in the Bible when he says here in verse number 2, when he says these little ones, certainly he is referring to young people. But that is not the only ones he's referring to because many times in the New Testament... Young Christians are referred to specifically as my little children. If you have not been saved very long, regardless of your age, the Lord considers you to be one of my little children. There are three stages in your growth. My little children, young men, and fathers. That's a level of maturity that God expects out of a disciple. And he says, I am expecting you not to be the one who offends my little ones or my little children. I'm expecting you, out of you, to be an example of godliness and not selfishness. That word offenses, when he says in verse number 1 and verse number 2, he says they're going to come. What is an offense? Well, it's a wrong It's an injury. It's a sin that may cause other people to sin or to stumble. That's one thing for you to have some issues. It's another thing when you cause other people to have issues or to fall or to stumble and you injure them and you hurt them and you sin against them. How serious is that word offense? Well, the Bible says in the book of Romans that Jesus was delivered for our offenses. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Jesus died for our offenses. And then he says down here in verse number 3, he uses the word trespass. And that is a violation of the law or to sin against God or to do something that is unrighteous, unbiblical, ungodly. And he says, I don't want you. He says here, Do not be the offender when he says in verse number 3, Take heed to yourself. He said, Don't do this. Don't be the offender. He said, Woe. Woe unto you. And by the way, God does keep very accurate records. You know, it's amazing to me when we talk about forgiveness, because I'm telling you about forgiveness, that is a complicated subject. You think it may be simple, but I promise you it's not. There are so many loopholes and variations and issues and situations that you will always say, well, what about this? Well, what about this situation? Well, what, what should I do here? Well, what about him? And it just goes on and on. But Jesus simplifies it for us as his disciples to some degree. And when he says, whoa, because sometimes we feel like that if we forgive someone, that they're going to get away with what they have done in hurting us or someone that we love. And I would rather you hurt me than to hurt my wife or my children or my grandchildren. I would have an easier time forgiving you for offending me than I would if you would have caused one of them injury, pain, or caused them to stumble or to fall. And so the word woe 
Because justice is rarely served swiftly or immediately, it is difficult for us to forgive. But the Bible does say that every transgression and disobedience will receive a just recompense of reward. If I were to ask you this morning, is, is there anybody that pops in your mind, if I were to ask you, that you feel like the Lord needs you to forgive someone who has hurt you, who has offended you, who has trespassed against you, who has hurt somebody in your family and you have a difficult time even thinking of their name or their face troubles you, probably everyone in here can think of at least one person that would qualify because most of us in here have been hurt, are wounded, or trespassed against. The Bible says, however, that every transgression and disobedience will receive a just recompense of reward with God. You know, wicked lawyers and judges today are bought and paid for. And jurors may give evil people a momentary relief from justice. And the Bible even says, Brother Brad, that because sentence against An evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. In other words, boy, would it be something if everybody got what was coming to them right away. You told your children, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Somebody else does it and nothing happens for months or years. And so they're thinking, well, I can do this and I also can get away with it for a long time. And you may, but you won't get away with it. You may get by with it, but you won't get away with it. But that does not seem to slow people down when you make that comment. They seem to go right ahead and do what they want to do, thinking that uh, that's okay. Well, I will say this about trespasses and offenses, that sin is always self-serving and it's always taking. It's always harming somebody else. And what God wants from you In verse number 1, 2, and 3, and I want to say this to you before I move on to some more important things, but this is number 1. You do not be the offender. You do not be the trespasser. You don't be the stumbling block. You don't be the one who hurts people. You be the one who helps people. You be the salt of the earth. You be the light of the in a dark place. You be the solution and not part of the problem in people's lives. Now, notice carefully here in our text here, not only should you not be the offender, but you'll notice here that the Word of God is giving us something else very important here because in verse number 3, he says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent... Forgive him. So, what does that mean? Well, it means, number one, that I am to let the person know. I'm to let the person, if it's possible, if it's possible, let the person know that they have offended you or somebody in your family or they have trespassed against somebody, against you or your family. Because that word, verse number 3 says, 
If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. That's a strong word. And usually once you step off into those waters, it's not easy to get back out of them. Because usually it will set off a domino effect. Once you confront somebody about something that they have done, usually it's very difficult to ever go back to that spot again in your life. Usually it will change relationships for a long time if people do not react well to it. Rarely do people say, man, I appreciate you pointing that out to me. I'm going to fix that right away. I did not intend for that to happen. What a wonderful, refreshing person that is when they take that attitude. But the Bible says here, if thy brother trespass against thee. So number one, let the person know. But let me, let me say this to you carefully and maybe hopefully wisely. Be sure before you speak to someone because you got hurt or your feelings were hurt, Would you be sure that it's a trespass? Would you be sure that it is an offense? Be sure that you examine yourself and your expectations in that situation that they are just and right. Do you know that proud people and people that are petty and arrogant. These kind of people are very assuming, demanding, and presumptuous, and easily offended over things that they have no biblical just reason for being so. I have found in my own life that there's some things that I just need to overlook. There's some things that I just need to take and move on. That it's not worth the confrontation. It's not worth the conversation. And there are some slights and hurts and pains that I give them the benefit of the doubt and I move on. I do not isolate that person. I do not, I'm not hostile toward that person. I just, the Bible says that charity and love will cover a multitude of faults. Some people, you got to just chalk it up. Some people are just idiots. And you can't be your life affected every time that somebody does something that is dumb or disrespectful. But what you don't want to do is, is that you don't want to be so sensitive that all the time you're always talking to somebody who hurt your feelings. I have learned... Brother Travis, that if you hire me as a brother, you have the right to fire me as a brother. And that I ought to be able to come to church with you just because you fired me. And I may want to know why you fired me, and you may not want to tell me why you fired me. But the bottom line is, is that should not affect my relationship, and he has not sinned against the Lord because he let me go. If we are friends, you and I, and maybe we're even friendly to each other, that does not obligate you to include me in every event that you host at your house. Did you understand what I just said, church family? Well, they didn't invite me. 
so? Does that mean that they don't like you anymore? Well, maybe. But it could be that there's some other things going on that are not any of your business. Amen? It could be that they may want to have a private conversation with something and deal with some folks in that certain atmosphere that's really not of anything that uh, should concern you. Well, they ought to let me know that then. Why? If I am your friend, can you not give me the benefit of the doubt? And if I am your friend, do I have to tell you all my business every time that I do something, go somewhere, do something with somebody? Oh, you went fishing the other day? Well, you didn't ask me. You went shopping the other day? You didn't call me? You see what you're doing? Is that you are petty and you are presumptuous. And you think that relationships mean you can control everybody and everything and what they do. And what you've done is you set yourself up to get hurt. And it's not an offense, it's not a sin, and it's not a trespass. But yet the feeling is real. But it's your fault that you set yourself up to do that. You've got to have, as a Christian, you've got to have hide like an alligator and a heart like a lamb. You know, if I go into business, you're not obligated to use me as a brother. You understand? Let's say I go into the car detailing business and I see you drive up in a car that's just nasty. And I hand you my card. I'm expecting you to call me tomorrow. Amen? Because I'm your brother and I'm your pastor. And if you don't call me and I see you go somewhere else, I'm going to get upset with you. Now, whose fault is that? Is that mine? Yes, it is mine. So if I start a business, I'm not obligated to hire anybody. You understand? And sometimes you set yourself up out of your pride, your arrogance, and your pettiness. And then sometimes you even do that with your own children. You expect them to be included in something. And listen, I'm not for excluding and hurting people. What I'm saying is don't set your kids up to think that they're supposed to be invited to everything that's going on when everybody's doing something. It could be just somebody overlooked you and thought that somebody had said something to you. Give people the benefit of the doubt. And if you really are going to go to war, make sure it's worth going to war over. Amen. Now notice this. He says here, he says that you need to rebuke him. So you got to let some people know. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ offended people. And, and, and Jesus said, it's impossible that offenses don't come. And you can just try to do everything you possibly can to do what's right. And somebody still gets sideways with you. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke the truth with grace. There were times when he would ask questions, he would answer the questions, and then somebody would step up and say, well, you know what, what you said just offended us too. Talking about the lawyers. And so he looked at them, and then he began to just tell them what hypocrites they were, and liars they were. So, And I'm not suggesting you do that, but I am suggesting you understand that, that sometimes you're just going to go ahead and do what's right, And people are still going to take offense when you're just trying to do 
the will of the Father. I don't think that in my heart that I, I, in obeying number one, the first point, I don't want to purposely hurt or harm or offend you or anybody in your family. That is not my goal. I got bigger goals than that in life. Now, there are some people petty enough to say, and they do go after other people, but out of envy and jealousy and pettiness. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses will come. You're not going to always be on top of your game. And sometimes you're going to come here a little grouchy. Have you ever been to church grouchy? Or did you bring grouchy with you? Don't answer that. But sometimes because of what's on your mind and on your heart, somebody asks you something and you said something and you, and you did hurt somebody. You didn't intend to, you didn't mean to, it just happened. And that person, maybe somebody else approached you and said, hey, did you know that you hurt brother so-and-so? And I said, no, I did not. I'm, I didn't mean to. And if my heart's right with God, then I'll try to fix that if I can. And if I do try to fix it, you're obligated to forgive me. If I tell you I'm sorry and I'll try not to do it again, You're obligated to forgive me. We'll look at that in just a moment. But listen to this. You adults that live here in this area and you travel, have you ever been on 59 or 45 or Betway 8 about 5 o'clock in the afternoon? And you feel like an octopus and there's somebody pulling on you on every leg at the same time and you're looking at every mirror that you got, and you're watching in front of you, you're watching behind you, you're watching beside you. And then the phone rings, or somebody texts you, and you say, nope, don't do that while you're in traffic. Don't, no, no, no. And you've got so many things on your mind at home about the job and the traffic around you. Everything's moving around you at the same time. And lo and behold, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you have a fender bender. Is that possible? even though you're a safe driver, and it's your fault? Do you think that's possible? So if it did happen, would you tell that person, hey man, look, I'm sorry. I'll fix your car. It was my fault, my insurance card, here it is. We'll be okay. If you could do that with a stranger when you're being distracted and stressed out, how much more could you do that with a brother or sister who is going through something and pulled in every direction, and you're not on their mind, and they had no intentions of ever running over you or hurting you, do you think maybe if they came to you and said, look, man, I'm sorry, do you think maybe that you could forgive them? Or maybe they're not even aware that they even hit you. But you've got their tag number. Now, you can go home, and you take that tag number, and you can... You can mull it over, think about it all night, get mad, and just sit there and just steam yourself. Or you can call that person up and say, hey, did you know this happened? Can you, will you do something about it? You see what you can do with a believer. Now watch this text here, okay? Y'all stay with me now, okay? First of all, let the person know. Let the person know. Hold them accountable. If they've done something wrong, and it was wrong... Be scriptural in assessing your situation with a brother and a sister. There are things that are black and white, that are not questionable, that are not 
opinionated. It is something that is wrong. And when it's wrong, and it's an offense, and it's a trespass, if you don't hold them accountable, they're going to do it to someone else. And you had a chance to cut them off at the curb. And so you have a responsibility. They're going to do it to somebody else. Hold them accountable. Okay? And by the way, if you can't do that, and you're not a confrontational person, and you don't feel like you could have a conversation with them without things getting out of hand, ask somebody else to be a go-between for you. Ask somebody to help you with this. All right? But not only must you let the person know, but you'll notice it says in verse number 3, you're going to have to let the person go. Verse 3 says, Take heed to yourselves that thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. People do not like being rebuked. They do not like to have their sins pointed out. They will attack you. Who do you think you are? Well, if I'm the uh, if if you've done something to me or somebody to my one of my children, then uh, I think I have a right to say something to you. He says, rebuke him, rebuke him. Let him know. And then, notice what it says here. Hold him accountable, but it says then, and if he repent, forgive him. I have read article after article this week on forgiveness, trying to find a divine balance on this because some people put in my face that forgiveness is unconditional and that it makes no difference who or what they have done that you must forgive them. But can I say to you that God forgives me when I repent? That God forgives me when I acknowledge my transgressions. That God forgives me. Then Now listen, God's ready to forgive. And you need to be ready to forgive. And be reconciled if possible. But there has to be, it says in verse number 3, If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. That means you're going to have to let him go. You're going to have to let him go. Do you agree with that? You're going to have to let him go. This is where... You exercise your duty. This is the point number two. You must exercise your duty over desire. (laughs) This is important here. Because you're not going to want to rebuke him. You're not going to confront him. And you're not going to want to forgive him. You must exercise duty over desire. He says in verse number three, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. I'm going to have to have some faith to do this, but I need you to understand this is my duty. To let you know, and to let you go. Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two. I can have desires, but they're not my duty. He said, I have a desire to depart. He said, but my duty is, is to stay here and to be a blessing. So you can't just go by your feelings and your desires. Jonah chose his desires over his duty. When he was told what to do, he ran. And the Lord says, I don't want you to run. 
And verse 3, when he says, take heed to yourselves, there's a danger zone right here. And I need to talk to you for a moment. I need your ear right here. Because right here, when relationships go unresolved, you actually place yourself inside of a self-imposed prison. And you're the one who has the key to get out of it. John Hopkins University in the Mayo Clinic, who studied both the mind and the body of people to try to help them, say this about people who refuse to forgive. They say, number one, it harms a person's mental health in this respect. They're full of anxiety, stress, anger, and hostility. Number two, it weakens their battle against depression and bitterness. Number three, it increases their blood pressure. Number four, it weakens their immune system, more susceptible to sickness and disease. And number five, it puts tremendous stress upon the heart muscle, actually. The muscle itself. In other words, sometimes you can actually say that person is killing me. And they are. Because you allow them to. And you're the only one that has the key that can unlock the prison that you find yourself to be in. The Bible said the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear You have to look out for yourself as well. Before you can be a blessing to your family and those around you, you're going to have to take care of you. And to take care of you, you're going to have to learn how to forgive other people. It's part of our duty as a believer. There are wise ways to handle this. As I just mentioned, you've got to let them know. And if they change their mind and they repent towards you and say, hey, I am very sorry, then you have to forgive them. You say, well, I'm never going to forgive them for what they've done to my granddaughter or what they've done to my son or what they've done to my wife or what they've done to my father. I will never forgive them. What you have done is you have just put yourself inside of a cage and you have locked it yourself. And until you by faith do what the Lord implies and tells you specifically what you need to do, you will remain inside that cage. Forgiving somebody does not mean that you are now their partner in life, their friend in life. If you owe me money, let's say that, let's say you owe me, and when the Lord gives us the Lord's Prayer, He says about forgiving our debtors. Let's say that you owe me money. Let's say you owe me $5,000 and you've owed it to me for several years and you promised me you would pay me back and you just have never done so. And so I come to you and I say, hey, listen, you owe me this money. You promised me you would pay me back. And you look at me and you say, look, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm I'm going to do my very best to pay you back on this and I'm, I'm really sorry. And I look at you and I say, I'll tell you what, let's just forget about it. I'm just going to forget about it. 
Just just let it go. I forgive you of this debt. Now, I have just unlocked myself from my ill feelings from you, but here's the other thing about that. doesn't mean I'm going to loan you money tomorrow. You understand? It doesn't mean I'm loaning you money tomorrow. Why? Because you have violated a trust. And that trust has to be earned back. That's got nothing to do with me being willing to forgive you. And when a husband and wife violate trust, and the other one says, hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me, that person needs to forgive them, but it doesn't fix everything. It doesn't put everything back to where it was. It doesn't mean that there can't, there doesn't have to be a, a place of where that trust has to be built back, if it ever can be. And sometimes it can't be. Sometimes it can be. But you can't walk around with a club in your hand and demand people to forgive you and then trust you and then put you right back. If I as a pastor embezzle all of this money we've collected for this building and run away, spend it all, and come back and say, Church, I don't know what happened. I just had a bad day. Would you forgive me? Please. And I've got tears going down my face. And uh, you would say, yeah, Brother Roger, we, we're not going to press charges. We forgive you. And then so I come back the next Sunday, open my Bible, get ready to preach. And you say, well, what are you doing here, Brother Roger? Well, what? I thought you forgave me. Well, we do forgive you for what you did, but you are no longer qualified to lead us because we don't trust you anymore. Would that be true? Yes, that would be true. You see, you've got these things that the world has placed upon you that are simply not true about forgiveness. You think that if you forgive, it means you have to let somebody move back in with you. Not true. Not true. There's some, that's a whole different ball game. That's where you, repentance sometimes requires of you a little bit of change of direction. You making an effort to make things right in order for there to be reconciliation for, in our relationship. I hope you understand what I'm talking to you about here. But some of you are sideways with God and you're sideways with yourself because you've got some things inside of you that are killing you. You're going to have to put that key in there. And be willing to forgive. And here's what God wants you. He wants you to be willing to forgive. Because what if that person never repents? What if they never acknowledge anything? What if they just keep going the way they're going? Am I, a, am I their prisoner? Am I their slave for the rest of my life? In my heart, I have to say, Lord, they have done me much damage. But I don't want them ruling over my heart and my mind and my spirit. Lord, if they ever turn this back this direction, I want you to know. If they ever repented, if they ever came back and said, I'm sorry, I want you to know that I would be willing because it would be my duty to you to forgive them because you have forgiven me of so much more than what they have done to me. Let's look at our text here. Again, we're talking about now duty over desire. Okay, we're talking about number one, about do not be the offender. Number two, exercise your duty. 
over your desire by letting the person know and then let the person go. There's some preachers that I will not have back in this church and have, and I will not walk with them in this life again. But I harbor no bitterness, no anger. I'm gone. I'm just done with you because I don't trust you. I have forgiven you. But I will not expose myself to you as far as my trust is concerned again. He said, well, there's something wrong with you. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they'd have to prove themselves. I think that the Apostle Paul was greatly offended when John Mark quit on him. When he needed him, he left. And later on, Paul said, when Barnabas said, we're going to take him, and Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, no way. Now, I don't think Paul was a man who wanted to harbor bitterness in his heart. He said, but I don't trust him. And it wasn't until years later, John Mark proved himself, and Paul said, you bring John Mark with me, for he is now profitable for the ministry. You understand? A lot of you feel like that you can hurt people and violate people, and then you feel like that you can go right back to where you were, and there'll be no consequences. That's not true. Luke 17. Let's, 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 let's hurry up here. All right, we've got a few more minutes. Luke 17. He says in verse 4, If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. That is an attitude of being ready and willing to let it go if that person is willing to turn and try to make things right. Will you forgive him? Will you forgive him? Will you let it go? If I choose to forgive you of your debt, does not mean that I will loan you more money. Trust. And what it does mean, if I forgive you, how do I know that I have forgiven a person? How can I convince myself confidently, biblically, that I have forgiven a person? Well, number one, I have no desire for retaliation. And number two, I am no longer hostile toward that person. I do not desire vengeance on that person's life. I'm not hoping for payback. And I hope that God works in that person's life and helps them to move on with their life. I hope you understand the difference here. I can forgive you. And you can forgive me. If possible, let me have a bridge to be able to prove myself to you, to build my way back towards you. But you know what? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, if I've hurt you and I've told you that I'm sorry, Brother Duane, and I'd like things to be back where they were, what can I do to fix it? It won't be then up to me to write down what needs to be done in order to fix it. It would be up to him. He would say, well, here's what you're going to have to do, Brother Roger, and I will consider this. Here's what you're going to have to do, and here's what you're going to do. Then I would work on clearing myself, making restitution, and trying to fix what I broke, if possible. If possible. And then he would have to then weigh out and look it over, over time, and say, you know what? You have proven yourself, Brother Let's take another shot at this. Let's go. And that's what happened with John, Mark, and Paul and their relationship. The last thing 
not only, not only duty over desire, but duty over your doubts. Verse 5 said, The apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And then he gives them the illustration. This is not about your faith. This is about you doing what I have told you to do. And I am commanding you. And if you do not do this, you are disobeying me. Do you think that I as your Lord should thank you because you went and forgave somebody? That's what he means down here when he says, Hey, I've got, I've got some workers. And uh, he says here in verse number 8 or verse number 7, he says, Look, if you've got a servant out plowing out in the field and they're feeding the cattle, and, uh, and he says, Hey, and I tell you, Hey, listen, put all that stuff down, go to the house, and fix the table, and I'll see you later for supper. And then he's just simply getting paid for his job. He's doing what he's been told to do. I get there, I eat my supper. Am I supposed to look at him and say, Man, I really appreciate what you did today. That was so kind of you to do that. No, he said, No. Uh-uh. He said down here in verse number 10, verse 9, Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Now, every once in a while, I think, Brother Jared, that an employer should be express gratitude toward his employees. But I wonder, Brother Travis, how many times does your company call you up in the afternoon and say, Boy, we really appreciate what you did today. Brother Brad, does Beasley Tire call you up every evening and say, Man, we really, really appreciate your labor today? No, they don't do that. They say, hey, you did your job, didn't you? That was your duty, wasn't it? Didn't I, didn't I hire you to do that? Didn't I pay you to do that? And the Lord is saying to you, didn't I pay your debt? Didn't I forgive you of your sins? The illustrations of Matthew 18 of the king who had a servant who owed him $10 million. The servant begs him and says, I am so sorry, O king, please forgive me of my debts. I cannot, I cannot fix this. Give me a chance to do right. He said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll forgive you. It's clear. It's clean. I forgive you. It's okay. I'm going to have mercy on you. And then that guy runs out in the streets and he starts finding people that owe him a hundred bucks. And that guy that owes him a hundred bucks says, hey man, I'm sorry. He says the same thing. I'm sorry. And that guy says, uh-uh, I'm throwing you in debtor's prison. Word got back to the king, and the king was very angry. And I don't want to make my heavenly father, I don't want to grieve him. You know why? Because I need him to forgive me on a regular basis. There are times that I've asked him to forgive me several times in a day. I've never had a brother that I've had to forgive several times in a day, the same brother. But I've had to ask God to forgive me several times in a day, and I want him to keep forgiving me when I ask him to. But I want to thank Him for the multitudes of sins that He's forgiven me of. But here's what He says in verse number 10. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. The king held him accountable for his debts. And the king extended mercy to him when he repented. But he did not extend that to other people. How about you? Has your king extended to you great mercies? And in return, do you extend that mercy to those who ask you 
to forgive them. Let's close with these verses and we'll go to the house. Look at Ephesians 4 with me in verse number 29. Ephesians 4 and verse number 29. Before we read these verses, I want to remind you your duties as a disciple, you're going to have to deal with forgiveness. You can't get away from this. Do not lock yourself in a prison. Do not destroy your life with bitterness and anger and resentment and hostility. Do you have anybody that's hostile towards you? Possibly. I certainly do. But I don't want to be hostile toward them. I'm ready to reconcile. I'm ready to forgive. I am. I don't want bitterness in my heart toward anybody. I'm going to have to trust the Lord to work on them. You'll notice in Luke chapter number, I'm I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, but what I just read to you, number one, don't be the offender. Don't hurt people. And number two, exercise your duty over desire. I need to let you know and I need to let you go when you repent. And number three, not only is it duty over desire, but it's duty over doubts because you'll be afraid that they're going to get away with something. You don't feel like they've heard enough for what they've done to you or to your granddaughter or to your son or to your child or to your parent. You want them to pay. It is normal Movies make billions off of vengeance, not forgiveness. People will go to watch vengeance movies. They do not go to watch mercy and forgiveness movies. They want the bad guy to get what's coming to him. All the way from John Wayne to Rambo or whoever, whatever group you're after, halo, whatever that is. Vengeance. Vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication, because that's where it's going to start. It's going to start with your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You're going to misrepresent things. You're going to blow them out of proportion. But that which is good to the use of edifying, because you're going to try to pull other people into your pain and into your cage with you. To feel sorry for you. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. In verse 30 it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And you can look at a brother and sister when they have repented, And they have said, I'm sorry. And they've made some efforts to fix it. 
and walk in another direction. You can look at them and say, by faith and by obedience and by the grace of God, as God has forgiven me, I will forgive you for Christ's sake. And you can take that key and unlock it. And you can walk out of that prison that you're in. It will help you physically. It will help you mentally. It will help you emotionally. It will help you spiritually. It will help you financially. You say, what do you mean financially? Yeah. You don't have to spend so much money on medicine. It'll help you. And on doctors and psychiatrists and therapists. There's nothing new under the sun. Be like Joseph. Boy, you don't you know when he saw his brothers come up and he knew what all the pain they had caused him. But yet he was ready. Ready to forgive. Because he knew that God could have stopped it. But God allowed it to make him a better man. And God, whatever has happened in your life, however things have slipped, torn, and broken, God could have stopped all of it. But He did allow it. He didn't cause it. But He did allow it. Is it making you a better person? Or is it making you a bitter person? That would be up to you. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, Lord, I love these dear saints, and I pray that the person that prayed and asked, Lord, for you to speak to them this morning, I pray, Lord, they would respond, receive it with meekness and with faith. And even where they are sitting, Lord, I pray, they would choose to obey and understand it is a command, it is their duty. It's not about feelings. It's about obedience. And Lord, I pray they'd understand that when we obey and trust you and do what's right, that later feelings will correct themselves. And you will give them some peace and some grace. Now, Lord, bless the message. We all need it. We all need it. Help us to do our duty as disciples to forgive one another at East River Baptist Church. Oh, Lord God, no telling how many people would be in this assembly today over the years if they just attempted to fix some relationships with each other. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be better light and better salt in an ungodly world. In Jesus' name, amen.